Hello, and welcome to the Harvard Kennedy School PolicyCast. I'm your host, Matt Cadwallader, and today we're discussing the future of journalism, the dismantling of old monopoly-based business models at the hands of cable news networks, talk radio, and the internet, has drastically altered the industry, not just financially, but also in the way that the news gets reported. Today, we're joined by Tom Patterson, the Bradley Professor of Government and the Press here at Harvard Kennedy School's Shorenstein Center on the Press, Politics, and Public Policy. He's also the research director for the Journalist Resource and author of the recent book, Informing the News. Tom, thanks for joining us. Oh, Matt, thank you. Now, your book addresses this concept of knowledge-based journalism as an antidote for some of the problems modern journalism is facing. You, you write that, quote, knowledge is as important as the observation, end quote. Can you explain what that means? Yeah, I mean, by tradition, American journalism relies on two tools. Uh, one is observation. Um, if, you know, if something happens and it's in the vicinity, uh, you know, you dispatch the journalist to go to the scene and uh, report from the scene or at least report on the scene. So that's something that journalists have been doing and are very accustomed to doing. Uh, and the interview, uh, which was invented actually by American journalists in the, in the 19th century, uh, is the other tool. Uh, so a story breaks and one of the first things a journalist thinks about is, okay, who do I talk to about this? And if it's on television, who, who am I going to put on camera? Uh, or if they're a newspaper reporter, who am I going to quote in my story? Uh, they don't routinely think, uh, they're not trained to think, uh, that they ought to dig into the issue uh, that underlies what's happened. Uh, and uh, to try to get a handle on that part of it, to really understand uh, what's happening, uh, and use that information to inform not simply what the words they put on paper, uh, but also how they think about their story, how they frame it, from what perspective uh, they tell it. Has journalism always lacked this kind of coverage, or is it a new phenomenon? Well, I think it's been lacking almost forever. Um, it was a theme of uh, Walter Lippmann's classic public opinion. Uh, journalists over the years have remarked about um, that they have insufficient knowledge and that it handicaps them, particularly when they're dealing with their sources and they're very dependent on their sources. Um, so I think it's an old problem, but I think it has a new urgency. Uh, one is that uh, I think uh, many of the sources that journalists rely on uh, have become less trustworthy. There's more spin out there. There's more PR than ever before. And a second reason, um, and it really goes squarely to what we do here at the Kennedy School, uh, public policy is getting increasingly complex. Um, and uh, unless you know something about an issue, uh, it's very hard to report accurately and intelligently on that issue. Let me give you an example. Uh, before 9-11, and uh, this was a study done at our center by Matt Storen, who had been uh, editor at the Boston Globe, went back and looked at the major terrorist acts before 9-11. And what he found is that journalists were great about telling how many people were killed and injured, uh, what what device was used uh, in the terrorist attack, uh, a little bit about who did it, uh, but they didn't connect the dots. Uh, there was very little attempt to kind of get into what's going on here, what's, what's this rising level of international terrorism all about, and then 9-11 comes, right? And journalists are at a loss to tell the American public what's going on. Mm -hmm. And many of them uh, didn't even know uh, that there was such a thing as al-Qaeda. Uh, even though it had been talked about in Senate hearings. Uh, mm -hmm. It wasn't a mystery uh, to the policymakers, but uh, they hadn't been paying attention to the issue. And, mm -hmm. uh, and because of that, I think the 
reporting before 9-11 and on 9-11 was actually uh, something that was a disservice to the American public. So is this an issue of general assignment reporters not versing themselves on every subject they cover, or is it more a lack of beat writers, you know, focused on specific subjects? Well, I think it's both of those things. Um, For the general assignment reporter, because they move across subjects, uh, I think what's important for them is to know how to use knowledge. Uh, It's not simply going to the web and pulling down a nice nugget and tucking it into the story. Uh, You know, one of the things, for example, is um, statistical literacy is not widespread among journalists. and, uh, and yet it's hard to do journalism today if you can't do the numbers. And it doesn't mean that you actually gather the data uh, and analyze the data, but you've got to be able to interpret the numbers. Uh, and that's not something that uh, journalists are trained to do. Um, and uh, yet I think it's very difficult to do good reporting today without some understanding about what those numbers mean, whether it's in a poll, government report, something coming out of a university as a research report, you've got to be able to interpret those in an accurate way so that you communicate uh, uh, accurately to your audience uh, what's at issue here. You've focused uh, quite a bit on integrating this knowledge-based learning into journalism schools. When I was in J school not so long ago, news gathering and writing was important, but so was learning how to take photos and videos and podcasts now I hear they're even learning to code. All those responsibilities that used to be the function of a large organization, like a newspaper, uh, were expected of the individual reporter. Um, has that focus on form been at the detriment of content? I mean, is it realistic to pile even more on journalism students by asking them to study another subject to be you know, completely properly acquainted with it? Well, I think it's all of those things, but uh, we worked with the Carnegie and Knight Foundations in 11 top journalism schools uh, for a six-year period recently. And one of the things that we, uh, our main aim was to see how you embed knowledge into the training of journalists. Uh, And what we found is that um, if in the news writing courses, for example, uh, they're not simply learning form, but they're also learning how to use content. that at the end of the day, there's, they're better reporters and the stories are better. Uh, and we also found that these are not incompatible, uh, that if you work them together, rather than sort of sending students off to the economics department to get an economics degree, but how do you use economics in reporting? Uh, mm-hmm. And there you have to, you have to integrate the two. Uh, and that's what we did with that project. And uh, the students that came out of uh, those efforts uh, really were much better reporters. And some of the reporting they did was stunning. And I think those individuals uh, will carry that uh, into, their, into the workplace. Um, so we've tested the model, uh, and it works. And uh, what we found actually with the new media, uh, uh, you know, that you actually, and Knight had a joint project going on. They were trying to get these new platforms into journalism schools while also doing what we were doing. We found out that when you integrated the two, it actually worked better. So the Journalist Resource is a website where you basically curate peer-reviewed research. What was the thinking behind its creation? I mean, is it supposed to be a place where anyone can learn more about new research that's come out? Or is it a place for journalists to go for specific stories? Well, I think, I think it's both. Uh, but, but the idea behind journalist resources is really to inform the journalists so that they can better inform the public. Um, I think there's some danger here if journalists don't do this. Uh, there's a, 
organization in Australia that started five years ago now has 1.4 million unique visitors a day to their website. Uh, and what they have done is they've basically cut the reporter out of the equation. Uh, so they have uh, 20 editors uh, and about 25,000 experts. Um, and uh, they're tracking with the news. Uh, and it's the experts who are writing about what's happening out there. And their website has from went from 400,000 to, to over a million in the last year. People are looking for information. They want reliable, trustworthy uh, information. They want, they want to understand uh, what's out there. Uh, and I think if journalists don't provide it, if they don't raise their game and improve the, the information quality of what they're telling the public, then increasingly people are going to go to, to, to sources of the kind I'm, I'm describing. Uh, and unfortunately, they're also going to much less reliable sources at the same time. I mm -hmm. mean, a lot of people think that talk shows uh, are news or that they can right. get their news from talk shows. Uh, and uh, those, are, those are sources of mischief and misinformation. Uh, mm -hmm. So quality matters. Uh, but the reason we've done journalist resource the way that we have done it, and as a service to journalists, not an attempt to attract a, a mass audience, is that we really believe solidly that the journalist is basically the indispensable actor in the current affairs information system. Uh, that's where people traditionally have gone to have looked to for information. That's where they're going to continue to go if they're convinced uh, that the information they're getting is solid. Uh, and you've seen the polls. Uh, uh, the public increasingly distrusts the information that journalists are providing. Uh, that leads them to think they can get better information elsewhere or they're not going to believe what journalists are telling them. There's only one way to restore trust, uh, and that's with accurate reporting. So a lot of journalists rely on a format of pitting two people with opposing views against each other, expecting the truth to be found somewhere in the middle. I think you've described that as specifically as a false equivalency. What's the effect that has on the end product? Well, I think that's always been a problem for journalists, and uh, but it's become increasingly uh, severe uh, because there is so much spin out there, and uh, and too often I I, I think uh, some trafficking and outright lies attempt to essentially deceive the public or to or to move their focus to a secondary uh, small issue and away from the large issue, and journalists are caught in the middle of that. I mean, uh, you know, journalists are the intermediary. Uh, and uh, this is kind of where the rubber begins to hit the road. And uh, journalists, for the most part, rely on the old traditional model. Uh, you kind of you play both sides. You balance it out. It, it, he said, she said, right? That's mm -hmm. the that's the model. Well, that works if uh, the people that you're quoting uh, are playing it straight. Uh, it begins not to work if they're not playing it straight, and unfortunately, they increasingly are not. Uh, and there, I think the journalists have a dilemma, but they've got to step up and increasingly uh, say to their sources, look, um, you know, but if you don't know enough about the subject matter, which is uh, too often the case, if the source knows a lot more about it than you do, you're not in a position to make the correction, right? Mm -hmm. And you certainly don't want to go in with a half correction, uh, mm -hmm. because if you're wrong, uh, that really discredits the journalist and the news organization. So they have to understand those issues enough, basically, to hold their sources, the newsmakers, accountable for what they say. One of the disadvantages of the loss of newspaper monopolies is that there are a lot of people who now only consume news from biased outlets like the Huffington Post for liberals or the Daily Caller for conservatives. 
Do you think that's going to pose a threat to objectivity at large? Well, I mean, I think that's, uh, that's a large issue for society, but um, that's human nature, I think. There are people who are going to look for sources that uh, tell them they're right, right? Mm-hmm. It's the will to right. believe, right? And uh, it's actually a smaller percentage of the public than you might think, um, uh, even though the audiences for uh, talk shows left and right is pretty substantial. Uh, most of the people who tap into the talk shows also go to more traditional sources, so they're not just hearing uh, hearing one side of the issue. But the, the warning sign in all of this is the proportion of Americans who are, are getting one-sided information and only one-sided information has been rising steadily, if slowly, over the last uh, decade or so. Now, if that trend continues, then I think it's increasingly difficult to bring Americans back to the middle because uh, these are different portrayals of reality uh, that individuals are getting on the left and on the right. And if you can't get agreement on the facts, if you don't have a starting point uh, for discussion and debate, uh, then you can't move that forward. And uh, increasingly, I think we're even seeing that in Washington among people who ought to know better. Uh, I mean, the number of climate denialists in the Congress is pretty stunning, actually, mm-hmm. given the weight of the science. So, uh, And if you deny the science, I don't know where you start in thinking about policy solutions to a problem of that kind. Well, thank you so much for being on PolicyCast today. appreciate it. Oh, Matt, thank you. You've been listening to HKS PolicyCast, a production of Harvard Kennedy School. Hear more interviews at hks.harvard.edu slash policycast. And join the conversation on Twitter at hashtag policycast. Mm-hmm.